Have you been stressed, anxious, or worried? Have you felt pangs of loneliness in recent times? Are you longing for greater connection with others in the world around you? In a phrase, are you looking for happiness? You are not alone. Millions of others are seeking this feeling of spiritual, mental, and physical wellness too. This podcast explores the underlying causes of unhappiness and shares with us the secrets of rewriting the frequent thoughts and redirecting the common behaviors that keep us in that state. Join forensic psychologist and best-selling author Dr. Nihal and her guests as they dive deep in the realm of psychological wellness and explore ways of finding happiness on demand. Hello, I'm Dr. David Wong, a psychiatrist who is in private practice. Uh, I am an associate clinical professor of psychiatry uh, in the Department of Psychiatry, Faculty of Dentistry and Medicine at the University of Alberta, Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, I'm being invited by Dr. Joe Nihal to present something on the topic of the human soul. Some time ago, back in 2018, I've been thinking that there is a universe out there. And what about this universe? The physicists have been measuring the universe by light years. It has been said that the universe has been estimated to be something like 13.8 billion light years old. And now the JW Webb uh, telescope is telling us that it could be way more older than that, something like 38 billion light years old, by way of photographing objects in space that are so far away that the light coming from that object has only reached us after it had traveled for some 38 billion light years. That being the case, we know all about how the university has all of these galaxies, stars, and the stars and their planets that may be revolving around these stars. And it was interesting to me to recognize that there is a universe in our human brain. When I raised the discussion for the human brain, not too many people debate that there is such a thing as a mind, which we all appreciate and understand to be situated and resides in the brain. The organ or the substance of the brain. That being said, I don't think that there is any more of an argument that there is a mind. However, because of the advances in neuroscience, we have come to understand that the universe that is the brain uh, has many objects in it, such as neurons and interneurons and the supportive uh, elements. And these neurons will use neurotransmission to connect with one another to form circuitries. And so we say we have a circuitry for pain perception, we have a circuitry for thinking, uh, the circuitries for calculation and for experiencing emotions. Now the only major difference in this universe that might be compared to the larger universe is one of distance. The synaptic gap between neurons is said to be measured in angstroms, or 10 to the minus 10 meters, in terms of the space between the neurons. Neuroscientists has also shown us that next to the different functions that could be observed, such as motor function, uh, there is a sensory function, 
There's also a mathematical calculation function, as well as memory, as well as thinking, particularly executive function. For example, the executive function has been assigned to the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. The cortex has now been delineated into many different parts with more specific functions. Since the human genome project, I think dating back to uh, October 1990, it's now been com completed uh, as of April 2003. We're now able to delineate all the base pairs in the human genome in all 46 chromosomes. That being said, we have the digital information in terms of the base pairs and all the codons, which are represented by three base pairs, to code for a phenotype. Some genetic variants in terms of, uh, for example, uh, that would coordinate movement, uh, such as we can observe in an illness like Parkinson's disease, which is the lack of coordination of movements or any other movement disorders. Most recently, neuroscientists have been able to lead us into yet another project using the big database from the Human Genome Project and connecting the neuroscientists' knowledge of knowing specific regions of the brain uh, that have specific functions. And also with the advancement of fiber optics, we are now able to delineate all the circuitries that are the actual connections, the wiring of the brain if you will. It's called the Connectome Project. It's fascinating how this Connectome Project, by way of mapping all the circuitries, would look like. When the brain circuitries are colored, coded, uh, and showing the white matters, which are the fibers connecting all the axon circuitries and connections and so on, it looks like a beautiful flower. My presentation back in 2018 has to do with the description of the neuroanatomy of emotions. That is to say, it referred to the specific regions of the brain to delineate the parts known as the emotional brain, which essentially connects the amygdala, the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, and the red nucleus, as well as the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex for the interpretation of such emotions or experiences. It is without doubt that now we have emotions. In fact, these emotions are classifiable into love and hate and anger and jealousy and satisfaction and sense of achievement and pride and so on. I hope it is no longer an argument that by way of having emotions, the human brain is able to formulate by using data coming from our sensory cortex that when we have an emotion such as anxiety, we find that our body tends to sweat a little bit more, the heart beats a little faster, and we usually would breathe also a little bit faster so as to increase the blood pressure to supply more blood and oxygen to the muscles. The usual fight or flight response. And it's amazing to me that such a response, in fact, then carries certain meaning which we describe as experiences. So it is true that when we have a sensory cortex, and then we also have an emotional brain, and through our perceptions and our physiological changes and associations with our emotions,
then therefore we define our experiences or we are affected by these experiences. It is quite well known that PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder wherein this is how one is triggered to recall certain traumatic experiences by way of the present sensory inputs and the present experience compared to the old experience. It seems that the brain goes and calls on the hippocampus and asks for what may have happened before compared to what is happening now. And then making some meaning as to what is happening now in terms of triggers for past traumatic events. These are all collections of experiences of human beings going through using PTSD as an example, so that we also derive meaning from these experiences. Some time ago, I came across a publication in the American Journal of Psychiatry. I can only recall the title, which essentially was The Attribution of Meaning in Schizophrenia. It was interesting to me that for people who suffer from schizophrenia because it is a thought disorder and that they may have difficulties in deriving meaning throughout life experiences. But it got me thinking, what about the rest of us who do not have schizophrenia? We who have a normal brain and therefore a normal mind and therefore a normal emotional brain and a normal way of perception of perceiving and deriving experiences. How do our souls react to experiences and or attribute meaning? We have emotions and therefore derive meaning from these emotions and henceforth meaning from our experiences. I recall Jacob Bernowski who in the book called The Ascent of Man which is a book written from a BBC broadcast TV series depicting the development of science or scientific knowledge according to the development of the human brain, uh, development of human beings. When he stood beside a cave, one of these caves uh, has these pigmented drawings on the walls depicting people's activities and things like cattle and horses and people swimming. He's quoted as saying, In the animal world, the animals would leave behind what they once were. That is a pile of bones, uh, which was by his feet. And only humankind is able to leave behind what he or she has once created. And that intrigued me because only human beings uh, have this brain that will lead us into something called imagination. So it is not anything short of miraculousness that having this brain, having this mind, having this emotional brain, it allows us to capture experience by way of feeling. But not only that, it allows us to achieve meaning to our experiences. And therefore, we have higher centers such as morality or ethics, such that in our critical thinking, we need to decide more often or not what is good. That is, what is good thing to do, not only just for myself, but also good for others. So it's fascinating, therefore, there, there exists a human soul whose function is not just to think, not just to feel, not just to see and hear, not just to experience, but to derive meaning ultimately 
and not only just meaning and whatsoever good to do, but also a meaning that transcends these functions as to what it means to be alive, what it means to be a person, what it means to be a human being, what it means to exist in this universe. And that we live on this only one place that we know of as Earth, amongst many other possibilities, except that physicists are now having trouble finding out how that the further we go, the more we do not find another life form out there in space when statistics would suggest that we should have found some other life form by now. But that's food for thought for another occasion. The existence of black holes in the universe has been proposed by Einstein, later on supported by Stephen Hawking. That these black holes exist was evidenced by receiving a sound coming from outer space, from very far away. Uh, that happened several years ago, supporting the notion that two black holes has collided. It is no longer a theory, no longer a debate, that black holes exist. It's no longer a theory or an abstract concept that the soul exists, because there is now a neuroanatomical representation of the soul. The evidence is very strong that the soul is the uh, entity that gives rise to our conscience, our consciousness, uh, ethics, morality, emotions, philosophy, the way that we perceive ourselves and the world around us. The brain exists, and therefore the mind exists, and therefore the emotional brain is there, and therefore the formation of experience, and therefore meaning exists, and so therefore the soul exists. I hope this presentation will give you some ideas uh, as to where the soul comes from. It includes other concepts such as consciousness, morality, or ethics, and what should love be, and what should a meaningful life be. Uh, how should we, or each and every one of us, live our lives according to the meanings that we derive from each of our own experiences. Thank you for joining this discussion on happiness. We hope this helps to inspire you to lead a more joyful life. To dive deeper into the subject of happiness, be sure to check out Dr. Nihal's book, Happy is the New Healthy, available as an ebook or hardcover. For additional resources, visit our website at drnihal.com. Until next time, stay happy.